0: Well, friends, Welcome to our service this evening. I think the our system is working okay this evening, so we're thankful for that. So we extend a welcome to those who are joining us online as well, and we trust God who bless his word to ourselves and to them as they join with us in our worship. We're going to begin our worship by singing to God's praise from Psalm number 25, and sing Psalms and at verse number 10. It's on page 30 of the Psalm book, Psalm 25 and at verse 10. We sing it down to verse Mark 20. To those who keep his covenant laws, he shows his love consistently. For your name's sake, O Lord my God, forgive my great iniquity. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He'll teach to them the chosen way, that they may prosper all their life. Their children in the land will stay. From verse 10 to verse 20, to God's praise.
1: To those who keep... Oh no.
0: join together in prayer let us pray <clears throat> most gracious and eternal god we rejoice in your presence as we gather to worship your name we are thankful for your word it reminds us of the kind of people your people are it reminds us of the fact that they fear your name and that they do so not with the fear of slaves, but with love in their hearts for you, with respect and with reverence, with the acknowledgement that you alone are God, that you are the holy God, that you are the God who, whose eyes are so pure that you cannot behold or look upon iniquity. Help us tonight with that kind of fear and reverence in our hearts, an understanding of who you are, an understanding of who and what we are, and coming into your presence and rejoicing that the psalmist was able to say that the people of God are the friends of God, and that because... You have made them your friends, that you reveal your covenant, your secrets to them, and help us to know that together in our hearts this evening, that you have given to us your word, that you have given to us an understanding of it, that you have given to us to appreciate, at least in part, the fullness of the revelation you have given of yourself. And help us to be bowed down before you with adoration, with, with wonder and with praise because of all that you have made known of yourself. We hear also from the words of the psalmist that he was conscious of trials and temptations and difficulties in life, enemies surrounding him and temptation lying in the way. And we are thankful tonight that your word also speaks of these things so that when we pass through them, we don't see them as something strange, but as something that your people have encountered in every generation of their lives here in this world. Help us, O Lord, to be alert to all that is taking place around us. Help us to understand all of these things in the light of your truth and help us always to realise our dependence upon you that we are secure because we are kept by you and help us O Lord to live with that trust and with that dependence so that as we we walk along life's way in times of joy and of blessing uh, knowing what it is to be watchful and to be careful in times of Trials and difficulties and temptations. Knowing what it is to look for and to recognize what you have promised to your people in your word. That you will, with every temptation, make a way of escape. Helpless, O Lord God, to understand your grace in that way. That there is always the supply of your grace in our needs. That there is always the door to freedom opened by your grace, and help us to learn day by day what it is to live by faith, fearing you and loving you, understanding your rescuing and your delivering power, and understanding and appreciating more and more that your power which is for us is much greater than anything that can be against us. And so we pray blessing to be upon us this evening when every heart here before you you are the god who knows their portion their journey what they are passing through even now burdens and anxieties desires and longings different experiences we do pray you to bless each and every one and so that in the midst of life's journey they may have a hunger for you a thirst after you and having an appetite for the things of God know what it is to find satisfaction and fulfillment uh, from your hand uh, from the gospel that you have so richly provided for us in and so bless all our hearts and give to us that prayerfulness and that waiting and that longing as we come to the worship of your name, as we are in the worship of your name and as we leave the worship of your name may we be Instructed by you, may we learn something more of you and help us in our time of worship to hear you and help us so that we will not be listening to any other uh, voices or, or things that may be presented before our minds, but give to us the freedom and the peace of hearing what God the Lord will speak to us. We do pray for all of our homes some of which are represented here that you will bring blessing to all. We pray for all the homes where uh, you your word is, is perhaps not read or, or, or listened to, or where the gospel is not appreciated. We do pray you to come into all of our homes, in this our community, and come with the power of the gospel, that which alone will give us a desire that which alone will give us hunger, that which alone will bring us alive to the things of God in the gospel. We pray you to breathe that life upon us, to lift us up and to to revive and to refresh and to enable us to see that you are the God who is indeed building your church, that you are doing so day by day, that you are strengthening and encouraging those who are already your children, and that children are born to the Lord from day to day and from time to time. We pray you to bless and to hear our prayer for all those who are around us and come and make your name great in our midst and in people's hearts and lives. What we pray for ourselves. We pray for our neighbouring congregations, for our wider community, uh, for our island communities. We pray, O oh Lord, for blessing to uh, descend upon us that we may... Uh, know once more what it is to have the reviving, refreshing power of God filtering through all of our uh, communities and, and all of our uh, villages and, and all of our towns. We pray that you will minister greatly to us and bless the nation to which you belong in the same way in times of great need, in times where there is great forgetfulness of you and turning away from you and uh, denial of your existence and of your authority in any way. We pray, O Lord, our God, that you will have mercy and that you will bring to us, that we will be turned to you and turned to reach out to you, that we may be rescued from the direction in which we are traveling and that society will be restored and reformed by you so that we may see our homes and our families, our parents and especially our children rescued from the culture and the society in which they find themselves and they grow up into a a culture and society which fears your name where your word is honoured and where that direction is given to them in life which will give to them wisdom, which will give to them not only direction but which will give to them a sense of well-being and of fulfilment and discovering that the God who has made us for himself ensures that our satisfaction will only be found in you. So bless our nation and our land and bless the nations of the world. We are thankful for every organisation that goes out with the ministry of the gospel to different parts of the world for every missionary agency for all who are engaged in the word of God being distributed amongst people, for all who are engaged in teaching it and for all who are engaged in the social care associated with the gospel. Bless all these endeavors, we pray, even on this day and work mightily through them for the good of the peoples of this world and for the hastening of the day when your glory will cover the whole earth and when the whole earth will turn to see that you are a great God, that your Son is a great Saviour and when the whole earth will wait expectantly for your return and for that great display of who you are and who the children of God are on that great day when peace will at last reign. So bless your word, bless it here, bless it throughout our land, bless it across the world today, and our mercy you we do ask. I continue to remember those who need you most at this time. We pray for those who are seriously ill. May your hand be upon them. May you give recovery and strength at this time and good health in days to come. We pray for those who mourn and grieve. pray your comforting presence for them. Be merciful, O Lord God, we pray. And any who may be in danger uh, and risk and risk of any harm in any way this evening, may you bless all such and protect and give people a sense of health and well-being that uh, will give to them day by day to discover you and to know you, that you are the source of all that we have need of in life. We pray you, To shine into every person's heart and need tonight, and to our mercy we do pray as we commit ourselves to you. Bless your word to us as we share in it, as we uh, return to consider the story of your servant Samson. We pray that you will help us to hear your word once more, help us to learn from what your word teaches us and brings before us in his life, Uh, and help us, O Lord God, to learn so that we may Uh, be watchful ourselves and learn to live for you and not for ourselves and not for this world. So hear our prayer, accept us, we ask, and bless your word to us as we uh, commit ourselves to you now. Have mercy, we pray. We ask all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we're going to turn to read the word of God in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges and in chapter 16. And we're going to read at verse number 10. Judges chapter 16, and at verse number 10. I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter. Sorry, down to verse 22. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with a the pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with a pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom and the web. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words, day after day, and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart, and he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been an asinite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and the strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Amen, this is God's word. May he bless to us that reading from it. We turn out to sing to God's praise in Psalm fifty one and at verse number eight, the Scottish Psalter on page two eighty one. And we see here that David is praying that God will not take his Holy Spirit away from him. That connects with the passage that we have read. Psalm fifty one at verse number eight. Of gladness and of joyfulness make me to hear the voice that so these very bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. From verse 8 to verse 13, to God's
1: praise.
0: Let's turn back now together to the book of Judges and chapter 16. And we can read at verse 20. Judges 16 and at verse 20. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And so on. So we continue to look at the story of the life of Samson and do so recognizing that he has been raised up by God, recognizing that according to Hebrews 11, he's a man of faith, and recognizing that he has been set apart by God from his mother's womb as a Nazarite that's somebody who's to be kept holy and to be kept clean and to serve God with the whole of his life and to do so in the case of Samson for the whole of his life and not simply for a period of time. And recognizing also that we have Samson brought before us here as somebody who reflects the kind of generation in which he lived and especially the kind of generation of the people of God in which he lived, a people who read at the end of this book, a people who did what was right in their own eyes. And because Samson was called by God and sent by God, he is somebody who had huge potential. The Spirit of God began to stir him up at the beginning of his life. The Spirit of God was rushing upon him at key times in life. God had prepared him and God had equipped him to do the work that God had called him to do. But Samson, as we have seen, has a weakness. And it's the weakness that arises from the fact that he sees and what he sees he wants and what he wants he will have. And in particular, we have seen that he sees the woman in Timnah, that he, he sees the woman in Gaza. He sees woman. He has that weakness that leaves himself exposed to temptation that takes him away from his faithfulness to God. And so tonight we have seen, uh, at the beginning of of this chapter, we have seen the way in which Samson is on the brink of failure. He has come down the ski slope and is going so fast down the slippery ski slope away from where he should be, that his life is out of control and he has left all of his special qualities and characteristics as the man who is sent by God and all that is left is the hair which should not be shaven or cut. In other words, his witness, his character as a believer is hanging by the hair on his head. He has given up everything of heart religion and all that he has left is the outward display of who he is in his long hair. And he's in the lap of Delilah. He's loved Delilah. And she has been charged by the Philistines, bribed by them to discover the source of his strength so that they can capture him. And so we look at this uh, part of the chapter from verse 18 downwards to verse 22 and we want to see the way in which we have Samson and the surrender to the Lion of Temptation. We see, first of all, that there is a disclosure. In verse 15... Delilah comes back to Samson. How can you say, I love you? She continues to pressurize Samson. She is doing so by focusing on the intimacy of the relationship between herself and him. He has loved Delilah. I know she's questioning his love for her because he has not disclose the truth to her because he has mocked us mocked her, her these three times. And because of what's happened, that he seems to have made a fool of Delilah in this game that he is playing with her, but because of that she accuses him that his heart is not with her. And I want to notice once more the way in which there is this whole concept of love at the center of this relationship and the love that is at the center of the relationship of God with his people and his people with him and so we have the great call on the people of God that they are to hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your might. And here is Samson sent by God to deliver, to begin to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines, someone who should be loving God, Uh, and here is Delilah representing the very Philistines that are on the opposite side of the people of God, that have them under their control, they have been, Israel have been handed over to their control, and they are Keeping them in captivity and in bondage. And here is the real challenge for for Samson and for the people of God. That the whole issue is a matter of the heart. And God speaks to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 13. And he says to them, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God or not. And right in the lap of Delilah, this great conflict is going on. This great struggle is going on. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. Or loving what you want for yourself. Loving the sin of the world and loving the world itself. And that conflict brings in the tension, not just in the heart of Samson, but brings tension into this relationship. And so really it should if there was no tension at all here, then there would be something far wrong. But this gives us once more an insight into the way in which once we ourselves embark on, take a step away from God and enter onto this slippery slope, we end up finding ourselves in a place where we're under more and more pressure to show our allegiance for the path of disobedience that we have followed, instead of showing our allegiance to God. How can you say you love me? She puts the pressure on everything that Samson says he is to her. And instead of thinking that Samson loves her, she says he doesn't love her at all. It's the opposite of love that she is accusing Samson of. And as we ourselves think about this, that's exactly the way that it should be. And the sense of the opposite of love and hate should come from our hearts towards the Delilah of the world and not from Delilah towards us. So that we, in our response to this kind of temptation, would be able to say clearly that to have a relationship with the world as Samson is having with Delilah is incompatible with our faith and that there is no way that one can engage with the other, that even the friendship of the world is the beginning of the slide away from our devotion to God that leaves us where Samson finds himself. He is in the lap of the Lion of Temptation. And and we we can think of the Lion of Temptation moving quietly around, not yet roaring, not yet growling, not yet snatching its prey, but waiting for the moment. And Paul, in writing to the church in Galatia, he says in chapter 3, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's that sense of of the temptation, the sin staring us in the eyes, and with all of its power attracting us and drawing us so that we are walking into the very wide open mouth of the line of temptation, and before we realize it, we are inside of it and snapped up by it. And that's how we how we see. Samson in this picture that we have she pressed him she urged him strongly in verse 16 she put as much pressure as possible on him and where we are facing temptation ourselves that's the way it is it's it's a continual build up so that the push of the urgency and of the The pressure on us to to fall into temptation builds up so powerfully as our minds are engaged with it that we lose sight of the of the God whom we serve and the power of God. And temptation becomes so powerful. The soul of Samson was vexed to death. He was worn down. He couldn't take any more. He's at that breaking point. And at that breaking point, he told her all that was in his heart. You don't have a heart for me. Your heart is not with me. And here, Samson, in order to prove that his heart is with her, and in giving in to the pressure that she put him under, he told her everything that was in his heart. He told her the secret of his strength. The disclosure of the secret of all that was left. Of more or less a wreckage of of the life of faith. His strength was in his hair. The strength that he had displayed even in his path of disobedience. He had discarded everything else to do with who he was as somebody who was the servant of God. All he had left was the long locks of hair on his head. If my head is shaved, he says in verse 17, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. The plaything that was Delilah becomes the lion that swallows up his whole witness as the servant of God. He opens his heart to her and he gives her the information that the Philistines need in order to trap him, in order to capture him. And once once he's done that, what was hanging by a hair has been lost. And his his witness as the servant of God is thrown away because in this moment of temptation he realizes the power of the riddle that was spoken to him in chapter fourteen and at verse number eighteen What is sweeter than honey? It's the temptation. What is stronger than a lion? It's the power of that temptation. He loved the temptation. It was so attractive to him. It was much sweeter than the honey that was in the lion in the carcass of the lion. And it is that temptation that now swallows him up the disclosure. Jesus says to the disciples, do not throw your pearl before pigs. In Matthew chapter 7. Why not? Because they will trample them under foot. And that's serious enough. But they will turn to attack you. And their friendliness with the world seems so attractive and perhaps seems so necessary for us as as the children of God, we can be persuaded that the friendship is necessary. And we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is warning us against this very thing. And we throw our pearls before pigs in that sense. And as soon as we do so, we are falling into the trap. And what we are not doing is is what Paul says to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians number 10, where where he's speaking about temptation, that everyone does fall into temptation, or everyone is at least tempted. And, And God knows that. But he says, God will with the temptation provide a way of escape. And Samson had lost sight of that. He wasn't interested in, in a way of escape. He was more interested in the life that he lived with Delilah. And it's interesting to note that when he does disclose the source of his strength, I shall become weak and be like any other man. He is prepared to sacrifice the characteristic of being the person of faith and the child of God, and to be like the Philistines. And it is almost suggesting to us that his witness and his place as a servant of God had become so much a burden to him in the field of temptation that he was willing to throw it away so that he could have the freedom of living with Delilah. And that can so often be the trap into which we fall when we lose sight of where our temptation is taking us. When we love the thing that God forbids, when we're drawn so strongly towards it, we lose sight of who we are. And our Christian name and our Christian witness Becomes a burden. And because it's a burden. We can get to the place where we would nearly say I wish I was never. Because my Christian calling is so much of a burden to me. And so little of freedom to me. that I'm ready to abandon it for the freedom that I see in the temptation that lies before me. And perhaps you are saying that 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 can never happen. That it can never happen to you. But the story of Samson proves that it can. The story of the church proves that it can. That there are times when this is exactly what happens. And we see people lost from the, the church of Jesus Christ in the world. For this very reason that the witness and the lifestyle required by God is too much of a burden because the freedom that the world offers has become so attractive that we're ready to give up everything and be like the world. The disclosure. Let's remember that God will always give to us a way of escape and let's always look for The way out of the temptation instead of diving into the heart of it with its consequences. The disclosure. Secondly, we have a discovery. And the discovery comes because Delilah knows that he has told the truth this time. And as soon as he does that, she sends word to the Philistines in verse 18, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. She made him sleep on her knees. It suggests to us the sleep of relief. The pressure from Delilah's over. He has told her his heart. And now he he, he seems to just rest in that. Failing to realize the whole significance of what he has done. And what has happened. And when he sleeps on her knees. Literally sleeping. But what does that suggest to us? It suggests to us. That in some way, like the disciples, because of the power of darkness in the Garden of Gethsemane, their eyes were heavy with sleep and they couldn't stay awake. That here there is a sleep that is induced by God Himself. That God is leaving Samson here. How can he possibly sleep when somebody is going to come to? To give him a number zero and uh, shave all his hair off. How can he possibly sleep? Only because God has permitted that to happen. Only because such is his distance from God. That God gives him over to the very thing that he so wants. And so the Philistines come. And they shave off the locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him his strength turned aside it's the picture of turning away and we have to see that, that when this happens there is a story before that and the turning away from begins in the life of Samson first of all That when he took that first step away from God, he was turning aside from God. And that led to this moment when God turns aside from him and his strength has left him. He is no longer the person that he was. The story of the people of God shows that so clearly. God was with them against their enemies when they were faithful to him. But as soon as they persisted in their unfaithfulness and in their rebellion, he turned to be with their enemies against them. In other words, they were weak and the enemy was strong. And here is Samson showing to the people of God What will happen when we continue and persist in our unfaithfulness to God? There is the shift of strength and there is the shift of power. And Paul, time after time in the New Testament, warns the people of God in Ephesus, the people of God in Thessalonica, To grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. To to guard against. Grieving the very source of strength. That the people of God have in their hearts. So that the picture of of turning away. Of finding the, the Spirit of God. Because of behavior. And leaving us in that sense. With the absence of his strength. And of the ability to live for him, as God has called us so to do. And the tragedy is in the discovery. When Delilah awakens him. What an awakening. Awakening him out of his sleep. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. He never even felt the cold on his head. He had a lifetime of hair on his head. He woke out of sleep and he remembers the way in which he destroyed the Philistines time after time by the Spirit of God rushing upon him. He didn't stop to think. He arose, I will go out as at other times. He had the habit of going out and of defeating the Philistines. I will shake myself free, free from any restriction, free from the Philistines, and I will go out as I did before. Such is the way in which falling into sin and temptation can darken our minds. That we think we can carry on as we were. But Samson did not know that the Lord had left him. He is going to see the consequences of that. But he was going to discover that the Lord was no longer with him. And that was the real tragedy in the story of Samson things were not like they were before, and that the lion of temptation has swallowed him up and robbed him of his witness and robbed him of his strength. And in, in that sense, he is godless because God has taken his strength away. He is no longer the person who was stirred by the Spirit of God in chapter 13. He is no longer the person that the Spirit of God rushes upon. He is no longer the person who is effective in the service of God. The discovery, the painful realization of wakening up from temptation and sin and realizing that God is no longer with us. And we hunger for God, and we thirst for God, we long after God, because he has given to us his spirit in our hearts, and his love poured out into our hearts. And the coldness grows in our hearts as we take step after step away from him, until we reach the bottom of the pit Of discovering that God is lost to us. And it's not only a tragedy, but it's also something that is painful. And as we move thirdly to think of the development, here we see the outcome of all that Samson had done. And as we think of the development, There are two things that are noteworthy. And the first of all is that Samson is in captivity. He was thinking that he was going to defeat the Philistines. But in verse 21 we read that the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. They seized him. And they gouged out his eyes. It's painful. It's painful and it's ironic that the very eyes which drove Samson every day of his life to look at the things that he shouldn't have been looking at and to live his life obsessed with the beauty, especially of, of the Philistine woman, that here when he is seized. They gouge out his eyes. Never again will he look on a beautiful woman. Never again will he look on a philistine. Never again will he he be attracted by what he sees of beauty and anything else. He will be blind to the day of his death. And no matter how much there may be recovery for you and for me Once we have failed God in this public kind of way, no matter what happens afterwards, we cannot remove that stain. We can never wipe it clean. And God can change things, as we'll see, but as far as the stain is concerned, the scar will always be there. The pain of realizing the outcome of a life of unfaithfulness to God. They gouged out his his eyes. They put him in prison. They bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. Going round and round in circles in the prison mill, grinding the corn doing so day after day not seeing anything but but hearing the roar of the people around him hearing the grinding of the millstone and never ever seeing again the low point in the life of Samson it seems that the sun is going down on his life as the servant of God that the, the game is over for him that there is no future for him because of what he has done a reminder to the people of God to read this story afterwards a reminder for ourselves that we can so quickly come to that place where everything seems lost and that's the final question As we think of the development, is it all over for Samson? Is it all over for you and for me when when we commit the sin, when we lose our Christian witness? Is it all over for us? And we have the remarkable development that the shaved head of Samson begins to show that there is hope after all. And in the prison house in Philistia. But we cannot write Samson of because we cannot write God of. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Here is the Samson who was called and who was going to begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines and having lost everything that that pointed to the way in which perhaps he was going to do that now there is a new beginning there is hope of rising from the wreckage of his falling into the temptation of Delilah his hair began to grow so that he was not going to be weak like any other man. That by the grace of God, his strength was going to be restored. That by the grace of God, he would once more have a sense of God turning back to him. And as it, it speaks so powerfully and so beautifully of the grace and of the compassion of God. We read in Jeremiah chapter 31 that the story of Ephraim that represents the people of God in in exile. And God is saying about Ephraim, is he not my darling child? The Ephraim is suffering in Babylon. I do remember him still. My heart yearns for him. I will bring him back. I will bring him home. Your children will come back to Jerusalem. And it's the same heart of God that we see moving towards this prison house. Uh, and poor Samson. Is Samson not my servant? Is he not my darling child? I do remember him still in this humiliation. I will rescue him. I will deliver him. I will raise him up once more. His hair began to grow. And in Psalm 51, we were singing about David's prayer. After his own sin, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He was afraid that what happened to Saul would happen to him. I will not take my Holy Spirit from him, that is, from the son of David, as I took it from Saul. Do not take your Holy Spirit away. And we close with these words of encouragement. We can go as far as Babylon is from Jerusalem and our spiritual experience, the greatest of distance. But we are not written off because our salvation depends on the grace of God. And the God that we have turned our back upon and our backsliding is the God who is ready to restore us. And the God who, in the parable of the prodigal son, who goes to meet the prodigal on the way home, who sees him afar off, who's filled with compassion, and who goes to meet, to embrace, to kiss, and to take him home. His hair began to grow we give thanks to god that when we fall into the the mouth of the line of te- of temptation and surrender to the temptation that even from there god can and god will rescue his own people and restore to the, to them the strength and the grace with which they can continue on their journey as the people of god even with a scarred witness that they are still able to serve God, uh, as Peter himself came back, to, to serve God later in his life after denying his master. We give thanks to God for his unfailing compassion and mercy and for the love that will not let us go. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do give thanks to you for the grace of your heart and that when our hearts grow cold as they can do in this world, that your heart never grows cold, that your love for your people is always there, and that it is that love which recovers and which restores wherever our journey might take us in our relationship with you. We bless you and we praise you for that. And so encourage our hearts and lift us up as well as putting us on our guard and helping us to live day by day with an awareness of the dangers that are around us in life, and ready always to look to you, to look for your way of escape, and to continue to walk with you along life's way, we do pray. Hear our prayer and bless your word for Jesus' sake. Amen. The closing Psalm, is Psalm number one one nine, and at verse number thirty five. Psalm one one nine at verse thirty five. It's on page 402, and we're singing down to the end of the section. In thy law's path make me to go, for I delight therein, my heart, and to thy testimonies, and not to greed incline. To the end of this section, to God's praise.
1: In the laws
0: for the benediction the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore